Welcome to <laughs> Please start it like that. <laughs> welcome to Just Break Up. <laughs> oh, welcome to Just Break Up. <laughs> Are you ready to rumble? Welcome to Just Break Up. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> All of a sudden, Just Break Up becomes like jock jams. I would love it. Anyway, you can put this at the intro of the episode, Spencer. <laughs> <laughs> and then the music comes in. Ding, ding, ding. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. I'm Sierra DeMolder. And my name is Sam Blackwell. This week, we're going to tackle topics like staying friends with your ex is family. (laughs) That was was good, right? That was so good. How to stay broken up and trying to keep it casual. Keep it casual, groovy, cool. I'm a cool chick. But before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we aren't licensed to do this. No, we are not professionals. We are not trained in this. We are not qualified in any way to Mm -mm. give you our just straight up opinions on your life. So um, except that we've had like a number of bad relationships. And so therefore we are imminently qualified to talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) Like been there, done there. Thank you. Been there, done there. Been there, done there. Let's just put tack that onto the list of say, common sayings that I don't know how to say. Anyway, um, thank you for trusting us with your letters, but please take our advice as you see fit. We are just mere mortals, constantly making mistakes, and we only want to offer you our humble, opi- humble musing, so please shed some understanding, and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love. All right, Sam, welcome to this episode. What thank is you. Thank our... you for welcoming to this <laughs> welcoming me to this episode. <laughs> um, just for once, I want you to welcome me to the episode. <laughs> no, you're the bossy one. We've established uh, that. <laughs> yes, yes, we have. Um, you're not bossy. Okay. You're, you take charge, which I appreciate. Thank you. Um, what is our check-in topic for today? Our check-in topic is inspired by a letter from. Hello, sunshine. Before you read the letter, I want to note that on top of it, Sam wrote, love this one, which makes me question your personal association with this letter. And I can't <laughs> wait to hear it. So go ahead. Give it. Give us a read. Uh, yes. OK, so I love this one because I think it's just a fun question to answer. Um, oh, I thought it was like Hello a scandalous. Sh- no, it's from Hello Sh- Sunshine, who's writing from somewhere in the world. And basically... I'm just going to read what they wrote because it's like a sentence. Um, Hi, Sam and Sierra. I love you guys to the moon and back. This is a simple check-in type topic type of question. What is the etiquette for visiting an ex's city? I'm traveling to my ex's city in a couple of months and I am unsure if I should message him and let him know I will be in the area. We had a very messy breakup and haven't talked in over a year. It would feel weird being in his city and not letting him know I'm there. Or should I just leave the past in the past? I'm not looking to rekindle our relationship or anything. Okay, so cute letter, cute question. What, how do we feel about visiting exes' cities and what is the etiquette around it? Um, before we like actually muse about it, I want to say straight to um, Hello Sunshine, like, uh, d- just don't contact them. They're not going to find <laughs> I I'm always like, oh my God, what if they saw me? Like the chances of them seeing you, it's like so minuscule but the chances of them seeing you if they tell if you tell them they're in your city it's like a yeah, thousand no, for percent sure. more 
And even if you ran into that person and they were like, oh, my God, you're here. Like, who cares? You broke up. Like, you don't yeah, owe them yeah. anything. Yeah, and what a badass. What a cool badass you look like if you run into each other. And then you can you can genuinely say, oh, I was, I was like, thinking about reaching out to you, but I needed to do work first. <laughs> <laughs> or not. You can be like, hey. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, crazy. I'm and in your I'm city. I'm not trying to be like cruel about this uh, with my evil laugh back there. <laughs> but um, you said it would feel weird being in a city and not letting him know. Here's here's my biggest point. Yeah, it is going to feel weird. Period. But sometimes we want to alleviate weirdness or awkwardness or discomfort mm-hmm. by going back to what caused that discomfort because we're like, Oh man, maybe this will just feel better than like walking around a space that I used to share with someone. But, um, that's not a real comfort. That's a faux comfort. Um, that is just going to alleviate the discomfort slightly, but also open the door to potential bigger discomforts like, hey, want to hash out our relationship or what happens if he flirts with you or da 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 Yeah, like you're just going to have he, sex again. Really, that's what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> what happens if he ignores you, you know? So, um, yeah, I, I say don't contact him. However, I'm like the number one tool bag for doing that. <laughs> yeah, no, I was going to say like, you are the one that toured the world for a significant yeah. period of your time. And we're like yeah, always yeah, in your yeah, Exodus yeah. cities. So like- always <laughs> there was no city that wasn't an Exodus city. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> so did you contact your ex every, like your exes every time that you were in their city? No, I, um, I would contact folks. I wouldn't contact exes cause that was just too messy, but I would contact like maybes <laughs> people who aren't exes, but people who are like, well, you know, the history there. Um, yeah. and so I would do that, but I shouldn't, you know, I shouldn't have <laughs> <laughs> what, what happened when you did, was it bad news? Well, it's just, you know what it is, is that, um, I wouldn't hit up my exes because those relationships ended poorly and I didn't want to rekindle things, but, um, I, the maybes, the people who were like, were in the gray area, I either A, started dating them, <laughs> terrible choice, <laughs> B, I, um, it, it, it kept us in the gray area for years when it should have just been black and white. You know what I mean? Mm, um, mm-hmm. I kept the door open instead of just shutting it. I guess yeah, no, that's saying. legit. Yeah. And so hello sunshine or to anyone out there who's like, what's the etiquette of visiting my ex's thing? Unless you guys, unless that door is so wholly closed and it's like a healthy closed, meaning like it, you can't even like the flowers have grown over it. Like you can't even <laughs> tell that there's like a secret garden of past trauma behind that door. Yeah. Unless that door is so closed and so healthy, um, you don't have to revisit it. It doesn't make you cruel or cold. And you mm-hmm. can, I promise you all that you can sit in the discomfort of not contacting that person or visiting the coffee shop that you went to together. It's going to be weird, but there's a lot of weird things in the world. There's lots of discomfort in our, in our human experience and we're all capable of experiencing it, you know? Mm -hmm. And it doesn't make you a cold bitch. Like I know particularly, um, uh, a lot of women I know feel like they, they have to be a good ex or else they're a bitch, you know, or else they're (laughs) like the cold, non-nurturing, barren woman, you know? Um, as though that has any merit on our, on who we are as people. So. No, that's legit. I don't think, I don't think I would ever contact an ex if I went to their city. 
I mean, I don't go to the cities anymore because like I, I'm not allowed to like leave my home, my home, but like <laughs> my home, <laughs> my home. <laughs> so that, yeah. Uh, I love watching Lifetime movies. This is like a fun thing about me. Um, and I always love like a lot of Lifetime movies are filmed in Canada and you can always I tell love, because of the way I that they say Canada's house. Accent. Yeah. <laughs> You're always like, oh, house. I don't hear the difference. House. There's like house, house, house. But you're always just like, oh, this is like supposed to take place in like Los Angeles or like Seattle. And then they say oh, house yeah. and you're like, oh, no, <laughs> this was filmed in Toronto. <laughs> That's funny. Um, OK, but I don't mean to be like so anti visiting your exes in your new city. I just. You, it kind like, of... you can, right? Like. I think if the impulse is like, oh, I want to see this person or like, it would be fun to see this person. Great. If the impulse is, I feel like I need to contact them because it would be weird if I didn't is not, is not a good one. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. what are your and motivations yeah. behind it? If you, if like, if this ex is a friend of yours that you would love to spend time with, sure, go for it. But, and there's no chance and, of you guys like crossing over into the, uh, you or know, if there is, and you're comfortable with it, right? Like that's, I want you to be making informed decisions about what you're doing and feeling like not, you have to do something because it's going right, to be it's, weird. It's, it's not like an not, informed decision. Yeah. That's just messy. That's not going to like, yeah. we shouldn't do anything because we think it's going to be weird if we don't do it. Like, I want to talk like, about, I want to talk about like the etiquette too. Like, so what is, what is this, what should you do when going to an ex's city? But bef- before we end on that. I want to say too that when I was younger, I wanted to have those stragglers. <laughs> I wanted to have all those open doors <laughs> yeah. because it made me feel loved. It made me feel desired. And it, and I liked these people. Like, it's not like most of these people weren't assholes. You know what I mean? They were genuine. It's, it's because we are humans and we are wholly capable of feeling um, love or likeness for multiple people at once, it it feels really good to keep those doors open or have those straggler relationships, especially when you're somebody like me who travels a ton. I could meet tons of people and it's like our hearts have a huge capacity to be um, to like other people. Uh, but as I got old, the reason why I'm sharing this is that as I've gotten older and now I've decided to marry someone, right, decided to like be like, nope, all of those doors are closed. Um it, I realized how stressful it was, even though it felt like relief, even though it felt like, oh, this makes me feel good about myself because somebody has still has a crush on me or somebody thinks about me or whatever. I realized how um, scattered that made me and scattered that made my heart and and almost like subconsciously stressed out because then I always felt like I needed to appease all of them. Like if I went to their city, I'd have to go visit them. And that would mm-hmm. put me in a position uh, that maybe I shouldn't be in. You know what I mean? Um, I'm not saying I went, I'm not saying I slept with somebody in every city I went to or well. but just, <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> but just the idea of like having those doors open and having to maintain those open doors and making sure that the, you know, the... Hinges aren't creaky, extended metaphor, extended metaphor. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And now that all of those doors are closed because I intentionally <clears throat> closed them and because I've kept them closed because I want to maintain a healthy marriage, um, it makes me realize how lovely it is to have an uncomplicated life. <laughs> mm, because life real. is complicated enough. It's like I don't need to keep 
I don't need to keep these stragglers want more you know i don't know where i'm going with this let's let's talk about etiquette so finally what are we saying like the etiquette of going to your extra city is only um you don't have to contact them you uh, so nobody owns a city nobody owns Mm -hmm. a coffee shop i mean maybe people do but like you know your ex doesn't have a right to a city more than you do especially if you're just visiting it for work or something yeah, no, absolutely. Right. There's there's no etiquette here. There's like, there's no requirement to contact anyone or not. The etiquette is like, <clears throat> respect yourself, maintain your boundaries, realize you don't have to like, reach out to people just because you're visiting a city that you once visited with them. Absolutely. And know that if you, if you run into them, it's not going to be, you're not going to die. Like there's yeah. not going to be yeah. any death that yep. like, you're going to get through it and you're, and you can just be like the cool person that comes into yeah. the city and is like, yeah. oh, yeah, I'm here. And like, don't any, offer any explanation or apologies. Just be like, yeah, I'm here. Mega hot. Neat. <laughs> <laughs> Neat. Oh, my God. That's going to be the word of the day. Neat. Uh, neat. Um, uh, you cool. can tell if I'm really mad at someone because I'll tell them neat. Just FYI. <laughs> Ooh, I am scared of that now. <laughs> you should neat. be. That's I, like, that's I, what I'm I like. I say have a good summer. <laughs> Peak anger. <laughs> yeah, when I'm like, when I'm flooding and like I can't, I can't process emotions and I'll just say neat. And it's like, it's real bad. <laughs> you need to like get me out of that situation if I ever tell anyone neat. That's funny. Uh, somebody tweeted yesterday, trauma laughing alongside just break up pot or whatever. It was cute. <laughs> yeah. Neat. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, you ready to dive into some longer letters? Let's do it. Okay. The first letter is from Friendly with the Ex's Family Help. <laughs> Let's just call them Friendly. Okay, and they are writing to us uh, from the Evergreen State. Hi, Sam and Sierra. Thank you so much for creating this beautiful piece of humanity known as the Just Break Up podcast. It has helped me so much throughout the last year of my life. I genuinely love your Instagram posts and look forward to new episodes every Monday. It has kept me so, so sane during COVID. That's so nice. The reason I'm writing is due to a topic that, in my opinion, doesn't get talked about very much. The topic is being close with an ex's partner's family. My ex-boyfriend, we can call him James, and I broke up two years ago. It was fairly amicable. It was hard for both of us, though. We had dated for two and a half years, had a house and a dog together. I lived with him and his parents for almost a year before we got the house together, so I got to know them really well. I live across the country from my family, and so they sort of adopted me into theirs. He has a large family. I'm talking four aunts and uncles, their spouses, many cousins, second cousins, several nieces and nephews, grandparents, the whole shebang. Their family is very close, so every holiday and birthday was a family affair. I attended several weddings, tons of camping trips, Super Bowl parties, you name it. I would often go to these events without my then-boyfriend. The family loved me, and I loved them. The breakup was hard due to the fact that I thought I would have to let go of this family and the family ties. However, after we broke up, I realized that wasn't really the case. I was still invited to the holidays and to family dinners. I went to a few of those events, but it ended up being very difficult for my healing process, so I slowly began to exit stage right, especially after he started dating someone else. But alas, his parents would still visit me at work, let me know when they had the dog we shared so I could go see her, 
had me over for dinner, and would even give me presents on my birthday and Christmas. So began a real friendship with them that now exists outside my ex-relationship. I guess what I want to ask is, is this okay? My ex and I are on what I would consider really good terms. It's been two years since we split, and now he's engaged. I had a long-term relationship after him. That guy was not okay with my relationship with my ex's family, and I understood that, but it was hard to explain why it really isn't anything more than what it was. My ex's parents consider me a daughter. I live so far from my other family that if I ever needed anything, James's family would be there in a heartbeat. I house it for them when they go out of town. I hang out with them over beers, and we genuinely enjoy each other's company. At this point, I don't refer to them as my ex's parents. They're just Bob and Carrie. I live in a really small town, and it's difficult to find affordable housing. Recently, I decided to move out of the room I'm renting in a friend's house and get my own place. Side note, I had plans to move out of state, but COVID put my plans on pause. This is relevant because the house James and I live in, the house he bought, is now empty. He lives with his fiance in a neighboring town. I brought up the idea of perhaps me moving into his old house. I would be paying rent and his dad would be my landlord. I would have zero contact with James. I wonder, is this a quote, bad idea to move back into a house I once shared with this person? Am I tying myself to him in a way that is weird or inappropriate? James and I still run into each other and it's never awkward. We both have our own lives and I think we both have moved on from the past. We laugh, ask each other about each other's lives, and sometimes the dog is there. It's really great. This awesome human is still allowed to be in my life. His fiance does not like me, and because of this, I've made sure to check with James before considering this living situation as an option. He's incredibly laid back, and when I asked, he said, he's, it's cool with me. His parents don't really like his soon-to-be wife, and they have expressed that to me. I have laid down boundaries with them in regards to that no talking poorly about her around me and no talking about their son's relationships with me etc they are more than okay with me living in the house but i feel like their opinion is with no consideration of the fiance's feelings should i take this option off the table am i messing with something that i should just let be or does it speak volumes about maturity to be able to interact with this family and my ex knowing full well there will There are truly no ulterior motives behind my actions. Any clarity would be helpful. Sometimes I think things are great ideas and later find out that, well, they really weren't. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to life. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, uh, let's call her friendly. Um, Okay. Okay, friendly. This is a very, I think, common uh, scenario with some really unique um details to it like i think that mm. it's uh it's it's not a common situation to be to to feel close with the ex's parents but it is common to like still want to maintain those relationships you know what i mean um like have you ever mourned the loss of mm-hmm. an ex's family yeah totally right but what i think is so unique in this situation is the intensity of the closeness or like the regularity of it that I don't think a lot of people have this experience. And I, I'm not sure how many parents out there would maintain such a long-term relationship with their ex daughter-in-law sort of person, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, thanks for writing. And thanks for this question. What are your initial feelings, Sam? 
my initial feelings friendly um are that you might be overthinking this <laughs> and that you should just like trust the fact that your this family that you love loves you and that they want you to be in their life and that your ex is telling you the truth when he says that he's fine with it mm-hmm. um and i think that like it's been two years since you and your ex broke up. Like there's no lingering like resentment or no lingering like messiness there. And I think that people like people form relationships with people in really weird ways that like in the immediacy after a breakup might seem like really messy and weird. But then like 10 years down the road, it's like you forget (laughs) how you even like came into each other's lives. You're just like always there for each other. Yeah, Um, totally. And so like, I don't, I don't know of anyone who has a situation that is similar to this, like in my personal life, but I also don't think it's like a problem. Like, I think it's really unique and cool that you are able to find a chosen, like a chosen family outside of your family that doesn't live near you. Um, and that you have these people in your life that are super supportive of you and want to like give you presents and invite you to family dinners. And like, I think that that's lovely. And I, I think sometimes like, Sometimes we just overthink why we have good things in our lives. We're like, well, this is really great. And so, but I know that I don't deserve it. And therefore I'm going to question every aspect of it when we should just be like, wow, I'm really grateful for the fact that I have these awesome people in my life. The only thing that really gives me pause is the the parents not liking the fiance. Yeah. I want them to write me a letter so that I can talk to them about that for sure. Because it feels like that's, that is the boundary that is being overstepped, not the fact that you guys have um, nurtured and grown and maintained what seems to be a pretty healthy, independent relationship, independent mm-hmm. of, the, of the, the past relationship, you know? Right. Yep. Um, independent of the breakup. So I, I'm with Sam in that it sounds like that grew pretty organically or was maintained and nurtured pretty organically. Um, but it, that that's the only thing that gives me pause is because my, my initial reaction was like, these parents um, might be trying to like hold on to something that they feel like they lost. Not that they don't genuinely love you, but like if, you know, for example, if, if Sam were to break up with somebody who I really liked, um, I might, you know, tell them that I really like them and that we can always be friends, but I would distance myself from them. Mm-hmm. I would take some time to, to be like, I would draw that boundary, not to, out of disrespect to your ex, but because, but out of respect to you, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? That like, I would want to help you have a healthy breakup, you know, uh, and that's just it. I would just, I would just say that's that's the line that I'm going to draw. And I feel like because your parents, his parents, are so n- have no line, you know, mm-hmm. regularly invited you to things. It it just gives me a little bit of pause there, especially since I don't like the fiance. But as we always say, like you can't enforce other people's boundaries for them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't even know what to do with that. Maybe like keep doing what you said you're doing, like maintaining that boundary um, about not talking about the relationship to you. Yeah. I mean, I think that that, that is key. Like it is weird that they're talking to you about the ex's fiance for sure, but you've established yeah. that boundary, right? Like, and, and that's all that you can do in this situation. Um, 
And I think like they're, it's not up to you to like mend their relationship with your ex's fiance, right? Like that's not, it's, you can't, you can't do that for them. Um, and I also like want to recognize that like you live in a small town too, right? Like there are limited relationship options available for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I also just think like, absolutely. And I think, and I, I agree with Sierra that like in a situation where a friend broke up with someone, like I would distance myself from the person that they broke up with. But I also think it's really lovely that you're, that, that this family was like, you are still important to us. Like you, we still really like you. You are still, we still consider you a member of the family. Um, and like, I think that that's, that is like a good quality to have too, mm. right? Like, um, I don't know their relationship with their, with their son, your ex. Like, I don't know how fraught that was for him, but I also do think like, I don't want us to look at this kindness and this like openness and be like, there's something wrong with it. Right. There's something that's off about it because like, yeah, we already do like, we already do enough to like, to deny ourselves connections with other people by so like why are we why are we questioning like things that feel good and things that are positive right like but i'm so glad you're saying that because i would have never guessed in a thousand years this would be your angle (laughs) um and i'm glad because you're right we're like openness is an action you know like we it's a practice right Mm -hmm. um but on the other hand like five seconds ago we were like don't call your ex don't you know keep like keep things closed. Right. Um, and I know this is a different situation and I do agree with you about the abundance of kindness that they're offering. Um, but if you were like, I'm still heavily involved in him's in his family or something like that, I think our instinct would be to be like, is this okay? Is this healthy? Is this safe? Um, I don't know. I feel, I don't feel conflicted about it. I just feel like it's the, this is one of those strange human situations that maybe friendly friendly's overthinking is, is probably just like more like criticizing our human brains more than anything, (laughs) you know, that we do question things that, that we have this um, built in understanding that like, once you break up um, the family's off limits, but maybe that is like, she writes, um, this is a mature manifestation of moving on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, you know, like the reason that we say don't talk to your ex or like don't text your ex is because the door, the door like mentally and emotionally isn't closed. Mm-hmm. Right. But like if the door mentally and emotionally is closed with this ex, like there's no, like you're not pining to get him back. Right. Like you don't hate his fiance and are like trying to break them up. Right. Like, then the door can still like the door to other things can be open. If you are like fine emotionally and mentally, you can text your ex. You can be friends with your ex, yeah. right? The reason yeah. we talk about that is because, because so often we are trying to be friends with our ex as like a pity, a pittance for like not being in a relationship with them. Like a, mm-hmm. like a, a consolation prize for not being in oh a relationship God. or because we think that we should, because society tells us that we have to be nice to our exes. Yeah. Right. But if you're feeling like this relationship with my ex is over, he's enfianced, right? Like I, I, (laughs) I don't need to get with him. And how great is it that I have this like second family that I get to hang out with all the time and, 
and use in a way that I can't use my family to like help me out when I need help and to go to parties with and spend Christmas with, right? Like, great. That's fantastic. Like nothing in your letter is giving me pause to say, well, I think that really what you want is your relationship back, right? Like right, it seems yeah, like, no, I you're never just, felt that way. Mm-hmm. No, it just feels like you're enjoying the fact that this, that you have this second family now and you're questioning it because, because people like Sierra and I are always telling you not to text your ex. Right? Yeah, we're like, dicks. <laughs> <laughs> but I think this is like one of the, like, this is like the exception that proves the rule of like, yeah, you can be friends with your ex if you and your ex are like ready to be friends, right? Like yeah, totally. you can maintain a second family with your ex's family if you and your ex are like ready to do that. But often what we're talking, what we're actually talking about is the fact that like getting back or being friends with your ex is not a manifestation of what you want or what's healthy for you. It's like wanting something yeah, different it's a manifestation of people pleasing or, <clears throat> or yeah. whatever. I, the one to your point, you said none, nothing in this letter makes me feel like you want your relationship back. But I would say something in this letter makes me feel like someone wants your relationship back. <laughs> like the parents. Yeah. Well, just, well that's on them. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So I guess let's, let's, um, let's close by saying, let's talking about that though, because I do want to remind you friendly that it's, it's not at this point, you've been broken up for two years. This relationship, the, your ex's new relationship it has moved on. Um, and it's it's not on you to make their relationship more functional or healthy, mm-hmm. right? Like you can't just disappear into the ether. You can be really respectful about their boundaries, which it sounds like you are. But I just want to remind you that like it's not on you to prove to the fiance that you don't want a relationship that you're not in mm-hmm. for two years, you know? Mm-hmm. Like that's that's a level of comfortability and trust that she has to grow and don't get me wrong do i think i would be a little uncomfortable with that 100%. yes a hundred percent but that's something i would have to work through for example uh my wife is really really good friends with one of her exes an ex of like 10 years ago or whatever um but there's something in me that had to, i had to be like okay well what do i want her to lose one of her closest friendships or do i want to fucking deal <laughs> <laughs> And, and, and not only deal, but see where she's putting her energy. Like she, she's choosing me, right? She's Mm -hmm. choosing me Mm -hmm. romantically where she's choosing this other person in a friend way. Right. Um, and so it's just not on you friendly to, to strengthen that relationship. Um, but it, it just be mindful of what the parents want from you. Like Mm -hmm. when this, when wedding planning comes around, you have to make it really clear that like you're happy for them or you're neutral for them and that you don't want to be a part of it. Like that, that's, that's where those boundaries get a little, you know, for sure. Yeah. I think that it is, it is important to maintain those boundaries that you're already setting up, right. About like not Mm -hmm. talking about the fiance and also, yeah, like Sierra said, like, don't be super involved in the wedding. That's probably not a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Because um, you're, I, you know, you're the mom is gonna like try to pull like a friends reversal yeah. thing. So you know. <laughs> but I do think, like Sierra said, right? Like right now, two years is like still kind of fresh in terms of the breakup. Mm-hmm. But I think in like ten years, you're like you're it's not going to question this anymore. It's just going to be totally. like, nope. These are the relationships that we have, and it might have been a little weird when it started, but like we've all become used to it at this point yeah um 
in like a good way, in a way of like, yes, you can still maintain family. And like, if you want to slip one of our just break up cards to your ex's fiance (laughs) and have her write us a letter, I would love to talk to her about how she can like handle the fact that your family, your ex's family is so obsessed with you. Maybe that's where the discomfort is coming from, where Friendly's probably like, it's not weird for me, but this could be totally weird for literally everyone else. <laughs> you yes. know, or like people looking in, you know, like Sam and I said, like, it, I, I think people might like raise an eyebrow to this or it's uncomfortable for the ex or for, excuse me, for the fiance. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's maybe where we're, ge- you're getting this pause is you're like, well, am I doing something wrong because other people might be uncomfortable? Right. And... This is one of those situations where you're it's you're not (laughs) and it's not on you to heal other people, make other people uncomfortable or set their boundaries for them. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Also, like move in the house, but maybe give yourself a move out date. Like Mm -hmm. like say set a goal. That's what I I always I've learned over the years that like if I'm if I'm entering a situation in which I don't love it but I'm making it do or like, or like it's, it's, you know, this seems like a situation that might be great for the long term, but also it seems like a situation that you might want to put a, an expiration date on. If you, if you set a goal in your head, at least you have that date in your mind where you want to start looking at other options or you want to try to move again out of state or whatever that is. So just give yourself an expiration date and if you surpass that expiration date and you're still happy, great, stay there. But mm-hmm. that would be my one piece of advice about um, moving into that house. Yeah, that's a great, great piece of advice. And paint it because it'll make it feel <laughs> new and fresh and yours. And, um, you know, you'll have some ownership over it outside of the fact that it's like filled with the ghost of your relationship past, which it isn't. I'm just making a joke. Okay, let's go. <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> uh. Okay, thank you so much for writing friendly. Uh, TLDR, um, just like don't overthink it and uh, maintain those boundaries. We love you. (laughs) That's like every advice for everyone right now. (laughs) Just don't (laughs) overthink it and maintain your boundaries, (laughs) y'all. Yeah, there you go. Did you know that nearly 75% of people have subscriptions that they've forgotten about? I will tell you that I 100% am in that 75% of people. Before I started using Rocket Money, I thought I had maybe, I don't know, 15 subscriptions, um, but I couldn't believe it when actually I had way more than the, <laughs> that. And it was things that I both had forgotten about and not forgotten about, but like seeing it all in one place was a real sort of amazing moments of clarity for me from streaming services and fitness apps and delivery services like everyone's trying to sell you a subscription now and rocket money is great because it helps make sure that you're no longer wasting money on the ones that you forgot about rocket money is a personal finance app that helps find and cancel your unwanted subscriptions monitors your spending and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings with rocket money i have full control over my subscriptions and a clear view of my expenses i can see all of my subscriptions in one place and if i see something I don't want, Rocket Money can help me cancel it with just a few taps. I love how the dashboard helps me see this month's spending compared to last month so I can clearly see my spending habits. It is humbling (laughs) (laughs) and incredibly helpful. Uh And 
They'll also help me create a custom budget and keep my spending on track. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lower bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with customer service for you. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in cancel subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash just break up. That's rocketmoney.com slash just break up. Rocketmoney.com slash just break up. All right. Our next letter comes from Lainey R, who is writing from The Void. Lainey writes, hi, loves. Like everyone else, let me tell you how much you have both helped me. I look forward to this and Patreon episodes every week, and I feel like I have learned so much. Anyway, I'm a 25-year-old bi woman, and I I had been dating a 31-year-old man, he, him, for uh, a year and a half. Let's call him Jay. We had a lot of fun together, and we had our fair share of arguments, and I think we both felt there were some major incompatibilities. I might want kids. He doesn't. Family is super important to me, not as much important to him, et cetera, et cetera. I eventually broke up with him, but it was very amicable. And after a few weeks of not talking, we hung out so I could return some stuff and we could check in. We worked together, so we both agreed that it would be nice to be both friends and keep everything professional between us. But here's where it gets tricky. I spent those couple weeks being convinced that the breakup was the right choice and that Jay and I were much better off as friends. But as soon as I saw him, it felt like my heart was ripped open again. I don't think I realized how much I missed our easy conversation until that moment, and all the sadness that seemed so manageable before now seems overwhelming. When we talked, we both admitted that we still loved each other, but agreed that after staying broken that staying broken up was for the best. In our conversation, I told him how much I missed him, and he said that he was worried that no one would ever love him again. Sam and Sierra, that broke my heart all over again. I love him and want him to know how truly lovable he is, and I don't want our breakup to be a commentary about his worth. It's really just more about compatibility. Hugging him was the best I'd felt in weeks. I have some other tough stuff going on right now, and I wanted to stay with him all day, even though I know I couldn't. Clearly, even though I logically know one thing, my poor heart feels entirely differently. Can two people ever get over incompatibilities like this? Can you love someone so dearly and actually be their friend and not spend the whole time together mourning the past? Should I hold out any hope for another shot? Thanks so much for reading this. Even just whispering my sadness into the podcast sphere makes me feel not so alone. (laughs) Much love, Lainey. Oh, Lainey, thank you so much for writing and for supporting us on Patreon. We love that. Um, Yeah. So, Sam. Yeah. Dive in. (laughs) Don't tell me what to do. Um, I know exactly what you're going to (laughs) say. No, the hug um, is a facade. <laughs> the hug is a facade, Lainey. Um, and I love you dearly. And I'm so sorry that you are going through this breakup because breakups suck and they are yeah. sad. And especially when when you still love the person, but you're just like, mm, this person's not working for yeah, me. Breakup, breakups are the hardest when they're not cut and dry. Breakups are the mm. hardest because when they're like, Yes, we're not we shouldn't be together, but I still love you because we just don't want to hold those conflicting feelings. It's like literally our head says one thing and our poor little confused hearts are like, but this 
physical touch and oh my god i need to save this partner from hurting or damn being with this person feels a whole hell of a lot better than being alone yeah no that's real um and laney you know when you talk about how like you were doing fine and then you saw this person and now it feels like your heartbreak has been reopened and it's yes that's exactly what happened right like (laughs) you you were healing like you you had the sutures or in and like, yep. mm-hmm. yeah, like yeah. you were, you were doing the things that were painful and uncomfortable, um, in order to get over this person. And like that was working. And then you saw this person again and you like opened the wound again. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. and I'm not saying that in a way of like, God, Lainey, stop being such an not idiot. A victim like, way. That's just no, a in a way thing. of like, yeah, this is what happened, right? It's totally normal for you to feel like you are heart, like you are, your heart has broken again because like, that's exactly what happened. It kind right? of has. You, yeah, totally. You saw this person again. You, you told each other how much you loved each other. Right. And you, and then you said, and still we can't be together. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, you just broke up again. Like that's mm-hmm. just what happened. Right. Like, mm-hmm. and that's, so normal to want to do right like and i think it's absolutely sometimes it has to happen right like you work together like you had to give him your stuff right there are there are this is part of the healing process right i'm not trying to say this of like you've set yourself back because in healing there is no there is no linear path right like these are things that we all have to go through on our way to discovering who we are and becoming different people um but i just want to say like you recognize this pain, not as like an indication that you made a mistake, but as an indication that you are healing, that you are still going through this process, that you are still moving towards knowing what you know is right, which is that you two are completely incompatible. And that's really sad, right? The sadness isn't telling you you've made a mistake. The sadness is affirming that the situation is sad. Yes. And that, but that doesn't mean that you need to change it. Right. That doesn't mean that you need to go back. It just means that, yeah, this sucks. And also it's still the right decision. So often we feel discomfort and think something needs to be changed. Mm -hmm. So, uh, because we're born and we're raised to believe something's wrong, you need to fix it. Something hurts, you need to heal it. Something doesn't work, so you need to fix, you know, change it or whatever. Um, But, our discomfort, our sadness can so often be um, part of the process. Our discomfort can be a teacher. Our sadness can just recognize how much we care about something or or our Mm. sadness can be an indication of how much we care about something, right? Not that we need to do something differently. And this is a perfect situation, Lainey, to do some and uh, sentence exercises, which Mm -hmm. is to say, say, um, I love this person still and I know we shouldn't be together or um, I miss this person. I, I, I miss the easy, comfortable conversations with this person. And I know if I keep having them, my healing will be delayed. Um, even uh, my ex is afraid he's unlovable and I know it's not my job to make someone feel lovable mm-hmm. or I know my ex is lovable and it's possible for me to not love him. You know, it's not a, but or an, or situation. This is to illustrate that we are capable of feeling conflicting, both true emotions. There's Mm -hmm. a, that's a 
clunky way to say yeah. that, but like <laughs> both of these, you know, conflicting and similarly equally true feelings at the same time. It is painful to hear that your ex is afraid that he will not be loved by anyone again. But mm-hmm. that is his pain and his fear talking. That is the scarcity talking. And that is yep. sad. And you can feel for that. But you can also know it's like, and you can know using the and statement, and you can know it's not on you to make him feel lovable. It's on him to find his own lovability, his own worthiness, um, and to find love out there for somewhere else with someone who's more compatible, who can love him better than you can. Mm-hmm. That's real. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we always talk about how we, when we are feeling pain, we often come back to the thing that caused us pain in an effort to heal it. Right. Yeah. To rectify. Like, you, we want justice. <laughs> yeah. No. And that's what your ex is doing right now too. Like these are things that he, that would be better served if he said them to someone who wasn't you. Right. Like, yes, these are things that he, I think would be helpful for him to talk about with a therapist or talk about with a a close friend, right. That could, that can help him work through that and say, you are lovable. Right. But you as the person that caused this hurt and this sucks, aren't the one that's going to be able to fix the hurt. Right. Yeah. You can't do anything wrong by saying it to you. That's very like like a human thing, but like you're not the one that can fix this for him. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And there's something to be fixed. Yeah. No, that sucks. Like (laughs) just acknowledging the fact that that is really painful to know that you've caused this hurt for someone and also know at the same time that there's nothing you can do to, to fix the hurt. Yeah. Um, we know that this is a shitty situation, but Sam and I are here to remind you that, you know, um, you broke up for a reason and it, it feels good to look back right now because the, to look forward into the unknown, into the solitude is really intimidating. And it's literally the unknown, right? It's so much more comforting to look back on something that we recognize, you know, even seeing him, it's like, oh, I recognize every pore on your face, every freckle, the way your hair falls, the way you smell, the sound of your voice, we become comfortable with the things that we're very familiar with. And they can Mm -hmm. seem comforting in these times of great instability and unknowns. But it's a false comfort, um, Lainey. And you know that in your heart. You just have to tell yourself, I am strong. I am brave. I'm capable of seeking true, authentic happiness. And I am capable of enduring the discomfort of solitude right now. Um, Mm. Because I know I deserve uh, what is out there in the unknown. I'm choosing the unknown over the comfort of the past. Yeah, Absolutely. Lainey, we hope that this helps. Absolutely. Thank you so much for writing. We love you. We love you so. All right. Our last letter is from the hopeless romantic who is writing to us from the void far from home. Dear Sam and Sierra, I feel so stupid writing in because this guy already dumped me and this was never really a thing anyway, but it's gotten me so down and my friends are sick of hearing about it. I'm hoping that hearing this read back to me in your soothing voices will help me know what to do or at least help me put this into perspective. I was dating a guy for a little over two months. We met on a dating app, hooked up right away, and started seeing each other every other week. He was super chatty before we first met, always texting and sending me voice notes. 
but he became more distant after the first date, never texting me except to arrange the next meetup. Our meetups eventually started to drop off to from once a week to twice a month, which made me feel like he was alternating me with another girl. He wasn't very nice to me, but I liked him so much. He made me laugh. The sex and post-sex intimacy felt amazing. He was so fascinating to me, but such a closed book that I always wished I could open up. We only ever met in the evening for dinner and drinks and then back to my place, and we never had deep conversations, although I tried to initiate them. I really wanted to kid myself that we were dating and not just hooking up. I totally checked out all his social media accounts, but he never asked me to connect with him. It felt weird to be lurking on someone I was sleeping with, but not, quote, friends with. I discovered a love song he'd once written for another girl, and it seemed incredible to me that this emotionally unavailable guy could feel that deeply for a girl. I kept hoping one day he would feel that way for me, but it was so hard to imagine. I think he kept me at a distance in a large part because he was only in the country temporarily. I'm living in his home country, but he's actually studying abroad and only back here until the corona situation improves enough for him to go back. He hardly ever asked me questions about myself and never paid me compliments. Even when I explicitly asked him to compliment me, the best I got was, you're cute or you're sexy. It felt weird to be sleeping with someone who didn't tell me he thought I was beautiful. It was pretty apparent that he was still dating other girls, but I knew I had to play it cool or I would sound crazy if I expected commitment from him since our, quote, relationship was almost certainly destined to be only temporary. I pretended not to notice when he quickly swiped away girls' names that flashed up on his phone screen. When we had sex, I always let him do it without a condom just so that I had an excuse to check in about whether he was sleeping with anyone else, and he always said he wasn't. I felt like... That must mean something. Bro, we are halfway through this letter and I am <laughs> I am already overflowing. Okay. First and last time I ever call you bro, but I had to. I was into it. I was honestly turned on. <laughs> About a month into us quote dating, I actually decided to give up and phase him out because I was sick of always feeling mistreated. But my being distant made him try even harder than ever. That is always the fucking case. Okay, back to the letter. Um, He became chattier, phoned me a few times, and told me he liked me and was staying in the country longer than he expected. So I gave in and carried on seeing him. I got my hopes over tiny things, like the fact he deleted his account on the dating apps, although very possibly he had just found other enough girls on it by then, and the fact that... The last time we hooked up, we stayed up late watching Netflix and behaving very couply. Whenever I got too comfortable, he would grow distant again. Everything felt like a game where I had to conceal my emotions in order to win. But I wear my heart on my sleeve and couldn't make a secret of how much I liked him. He started to treat me like my time wasn't important and I started to feel seriously jerked around. Oftentimes, I felt like he was making fun of me for liking him so much, seeing how far he could push me and how much dignity he could make me relinquish. I'm fucking so triggered by that. Okay, continuing. (laughs) The last time we met, he canceled the morning of our date and then phoned again in the evening to uncancel. I had already made new plans and was just on my way out to meet some friends, but he insisted he could only see me if I met him that night, so I bailed on my friends to go see him. We had a pretty nice date in the end, but he refused to apologize for jerking me around and even acknowledge or even acknowledge that he had in any way inconvenienced me. When our meetups started to get up really far apart and less frequent, 
even then twice a month, I tried a series of quite embarrassing attempts to get his attention. At one point, I even drunkenly sent him an underwear pic, which he just responded with, haha, okay. I know I'm a pretty girl. I know I can be charming and interesting, but this guy made me feel so talentless and charmless. It was like the ultimate nagging. I always felt like I had to work so hard to just barely meet his standards. Other guys would hit me up and compliment me all the time, but it only mattered what he thought. A few weeks ago, I phoned and asked him outright if he was interested in me for anything more than sex. He told me he was feeling pressured since he didn't like me as much as I liked him, quote, yet. When I asked if he wanted to stop seeing each other, he took an entire, very painful 24 hours to reply, which made me feel like he was seriously considering it. When he did reply, he told me he just wanted to focus on his work. We haven't spoken since. I keep blaming myself. I feel like if I could just been more casual and kept a level head, things might have progressed naturally and he might have actually started to like me more. I was always so on edge with paranoia that he was mistreating me and I know that bled into the way I behaved around him. I think I must have sounded so crazy to put him on the spot about where is this going just two months into our very casual relationship. You can do the math and figure out that we only met up a handful of times, maybe around eight or nine in total. I filled in so much of the time in between with my own dreaming and built up what felt in my head like a burgeoning relationship. I know none of this sounds good. I don't know why I still miss this guy so much when virtually every date left me feeling with the feeling of why am I doing this to myself? Still, I miss what we had or what I thought we could have had and keep berating myself for all the wrong turns I made that led to me scaring him away. Do you think this sounds like a situation where if I could have just kept my cool, maybe had a more developed life of my own to stop me from getting so intense, this relationship could have grown into something? Or do you think this guy was always going to be unavailable to me? Do you think there's anything I can do to fix things? If I wait long enough, will he reach out to me again? I feel so helpless because I know there's nothing I can say that won't just turn him off more. Since we were never in a relationship and barely even dating, I feel like I've got no grounds to care for him this much. I'm sure he doesn't even think about me anymore. If you think this situation is totally unrectifiable, I'm really hoping that hearing this read back in your voices will at least help me realize how crazy I'm acting. I'm really just waiting for my heart to catch up on my head on this one. Oh my goodness. Hopeless romantic. Reading that was almost physically painful for me. Um, because of how much it reminds me about one of my situationships that lasted a long time. Um, because in my situationship that I'm thinking of, I constantly felt like this person was so cool, so Mm. desirable, and that I felt like I was never cool enough. I was never suave enough. I was always trying to... Um, reach his level of coolness or whatever. Um, and the second I started not like drooling all over him or like being at his beck and call was when he started being affectionate <laughs> to me or like, you know, hitting me up or, or, or the audacity of me pulling away from him made him, made him act up and try to get my attention and my desire Back and then sure. I'd be like, yeah, of course, I will crawl on my hands and knees to Uptown Minneapolis for you. <laughs> um, oh, never go to Uptown after after dark. <laughs> Nothing good anyway, happens there. 
Um, so, uh, Hopeless Romantic, I, this was hard for me to read only because of how much I relate to it. And it's also hard for me to read, to hear you constantly, constantly belittle yourself in the face of what was a disrespectful, um, unenjoyable social interaction. Like this guy was an Mm -hmm. asshole to you. And I'm not saying Mm -hmm. this guy is an asshole, right? I'm not trying to villainize this guy, but I am saying you state explicitly multiple times in this letter that he made you feel like crap. So it's not so much (laughs) that you have feelings for him. It's that you want that crappy feeling to be alleviated and you want that crappy feeling to have a purpose, right? You want to like work. It's like with this dude that I'm talking about from my past, I'm not sure I loved him as much as I wanted him to love me. I didn't want to feel the rejection of me not being good enough for him. Um, And so then it became this conquest thing for both of us, really. For me, it was he definitely had the power, but I, I was on this mission to be lovable to him, which meant constantly abandoning myself, canceling on my friends, constantly going home and feeling totally unrequited, undesirable, not cool. Like Mm. it's as though I had to do this mental um, abuse on myself to constantly feel not good enough to, to be even in the same arena as him. Um, And I know that it feels like you really liked him and maybe you do, but you cannot separate a person, the idea of a person from the actual reality of a person. And the reality of the person is he treats you poorly. He makes you feel like shit. He doesn't <laughs> yeah. tell you you're beautiful. He doesn't tell you he wants to be with you. Like, uh, you know, what is it about us humans that makes us lust after what hurts us? That's mm. what I want to know. Yeah, because we are told that we have no value inherently. And so we have to extract it from other people. And so like <laughs> and when we try we and extract prove, th- that, yeah, that value from people who don't want to give it to us, then it becomes like, well, if I can't, I've poured so much love and energy into this person. And if I can't get them to, to see me and love me back, then it just proves again that I am unlovable. Yeah. So, and I think it, it goes back to a couple like really basic human nature things. One, what you just said is that we think our value is, is found in our lovability and our desirability Two, we have a hard time, um, dealing with uh not just rejection but um injustice social and emotional injustice it's it's unjust that this guy is an asshole to you <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> it's it is we want to rec- <clears throat> we want to make it right we want to prove there there's we want to balance the scales somehow and the scales would be balanced mm-hmm. if he loved you you know the scales would be balanced if he desired you the way you desired him and so instead mm-hmm. of being like this is unsafe for me this is ungood not good for me so i'm going to move away we try to rectify it instead of just walking away um for sure and then the the last thing that it it really pulls out for me is that uh the differing realities that we all move through the world with and it's really hard for us to accept that not all people are for us um, mm-hmm. and we're not for all people. And I think that's just hard because like we, we grow up wanting to get along with everybody or we, we grow up, um, thinking that there are, un- that there are universal rules of like attractiveness or de- desirability or compatibility, yeah. but those rules are unique to each and every human being. Um, mm-hmm. 
yeah so yeah no yeah hopeless romantic this guy's an asshole (laughs) go ahead (laughs) um no and i have been reading attached which is the Mm -hmm. the book about attachment styles um which i've never read i've only like read about on the internet so actually like doing the work um and what one of the things that i am finding interesting is that I think that we tell the story that people who are avoidant, who have an avoidant attachment attachment style, like don't want love or relationships. Right. And like the reality is, is that no, people who are avoidant do want love and relationships. They just don't know how to do it in a way that's healthy. Right. And so like, so the fact that this person, like this person clearly, at least to me, has like an avoidant attachment style. Right. Not an asshole. I shouldn't have said that. (laughs) <laughs> right, right. No, but I think it would be easier if he were an asshole. Like, I think it would be easier right. if we could be like, oh, this person clearly doesn't want a relationship. They're just like a dick, right? Like, stop pouring yourself into this person that doesn't want love. But like, it's so much harder because what is happening is that he's like giving you stuff to string you along because he does want relationship. Like, he does want love. He just doesn't like know how to do it in a healthy way. And that is really difficult because it would be easier to say like, Oh, which is not me saying like, you should go after this guy or like this guy loves you, secretly loves you. He has clearly made it known that like, he's not going to give you the time of day. But I think it's important to acknowledge that reality so that when we come up against avoidant attachment styles in the wild, we can recognize them for what they actually are, which is that this guy is clearly has an avoidant attachment style, but those things that he's doing to like string you along are like real, right? Like mm. this isn't like, uh, like you're not making up that he actually is like sending you these signals, right? Like, and so like mm, feel, I see. S- like feel validated in the fact that like, you're not stupid for believing him when he like tried to get you back or when he would suddenly yes. text you and call you all the time, right? Like those things actually happened. Like it wasn't like you were like reading into it. Like he was actually in his own fucked up way, actually like, trying to string you along because he wants love and affection. He just doesn't know how to handle it. And so like, and I'm saying this because what I'm getting from your letter is that you are placing the blame for all of this squarely on your shoulders, right? You're saying like, I'm crazy. I miss, I misread everything. I, um, I went too hard too fast. And like, the reality is, it's like, no, it's not all on your shoulders. Like the things that happened to you are real. They actually happened. And you can have faith in that and you can recognize that. And that's the first step to like actually healing from this, because as long as we continue to tell ourselves that the things that we experience aren't real or aren't valid, we're never going to get to a point where we can actually heal from them. And I feel hopeless romantic that that's what you're doing is you're just like, you are instead of, instead of like, yeah, you're gaslighting yourself is exactly what I was like trying to say that in a way that wasn't like awful, (laughs) but that's exactly what is happening right now is that like, you have reversed things so much where, where you, where everything is now your fault that you can't heal from this because everything is your fault, right? Like you can't like acknowledge the ways in which, yeah, he was a dick too. And I can place some blame over there. Right. Totally. Um, I'm glad that you brought that up about dismissive attachment styles. Um, because I think it is really easy to paint dismissive people as assholes and anxiously attached people as um crazy crazy. right exactly um but and (laughs) practicing my and statements and 
I just want to reiterate that I, that this guy might want love and might want affection and desi- and to be desired. But like Sam said, he is unable right now, at least in this entanglement, to do it in a way that is healthy and safe for both of you. That doesn't mean hopeless romantic that you need to love him into a better version of himself or a more functioning version of himself. This guy is, this guy still makes you feel bad. There's no, Mm -hmm. there's no equation that you need to solve to um, rectify this. What you need to do is start um, finding worth in yourself outside of someone's desire for you. And that Absolutely. might be hella blunt, but that 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 is what keeps people like you and I, hopeless romantic, crawling back to people who make us feel like garbage. Is that we think if we can't if we can't get love from these people who treat us like trash, then we mm-hmm. then we are trash, right? If we mm. can't if we can't get them to make us feel good, then the bad times, the times in which they make us feel like we think that 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 will be everlasting. Um, the mm-hmm. highs and lows of those unhealthy relationships. Um, this guy's on his own journey, right? But separate of everything that has been done, everything that's been said, separate of everything the Sam and I has already said, he told you he just wants to focus on his work, which means he doesn't want to <laughs> be with you, which Absolutely. is, again, another harsh thing. In, in But we can do all of this work to better understand why he doesn't want to be with you. We can do all of this work to unpack that all of the choices you did are not mistakes, that there's no, there's no choice that you could have done to make him be like, Oh my God, look at this cool, hip, chill, non-committal girl. I want to date him, date her now. That's, that's not a reality that, that couldn't have happened. The past cannot be undone, you know, Mm -hmm. and there's no, there's no being cool enough to like be perfect for someone. Um, no. that all of that aside, he, he's, he made his choice and you need to focus on that choice more than all of the things that you think that could change that choice. Mm-hmm. That's, right? that's real. Like there's, there's no way to like be cool enough for an, for a, an avoidant person, right? Like, totally. like that's just the reality. Like you can't like, you because, can't. And that helps them stay in the unhealthy avoidant uh, Absolutely. patterns. Absolutely. And also, like, I think this also comes down to when we talk about, like, relationships as being seen as adversarial, right? Like, yes. I need to trick this person into loving me. <laughs> yes. Which that's is the not... the other thing I wanted to talk about. Yeah, like, that's not what... That is not what you want, hopeless romantic. That's not romantic at all, right? <laughs> like, that is that is actually painfully, painfully unromantic. The idea of I have to change who I am in order to get this person to love me. Um, and I, and so that's what I want to push, push back against because the, the story that you're telling yourself is that like, I am unlovable and I also failed at trying to make myself lovable, right? Mm. Like I failed, I put myself, I folded myself over and over again to fit this person. And I failed at it. And so instead of saying, and then instead of looking at the fact that like maybe folding yourself is not actually how you can get a healthy and happy relationship. Instead, what you're doing is looking at yourself and saying, I should have folded myself more or I folded yes. myself in the wrong way. Yes. And that's not, that's not what we want. Like that's not what the head and heart work is about, right? The head and heart work is about saying, 
I don't want to be with anyone that makes me fold myself like this. I don't want to, I don't want to be around people who require me to change who I am or to, to change how I approach my life or my choices Mm -hmm. in order to get them to love me. I am worth more than that. I know that even if that person that I have poured all of this time and energy into doesn't love me, that I am still lovable and that I still, no matter who I am in relationship with, I am still worthy of whatever love is in the universe, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's that's what I think pains me about your letter is is just the fact that you are, instead of saying like, wow, what I've learned from this is that I don't want to be in situations that require me to, to feel so much pain. Instead saying like, I stabbed myself in the wrong way to... Mm. And now next time I need to stab myself differently to get someone to love me. (laughs) And let me actually take it a step in a different direction in, but similarly too, I think about like that you, that you put yourself out there. Like you, you put yourself out there. You tried to engage in some more serious conversations. You sent the, the sexy underwear pic and his response wasn't like, oh, cool, you are pursuing me. It was a dismissive, haha, okay, which is like the biggest asshole thing <laughs> in this whole letter to me is that you fucking respond to a naked picture with haha, okay. Maybe that's when you could have just said, I'm not interested in a relationship or a romantic relationship, you know? Um, but anyway, I want to say, like, there's not, you didn't, you weren't too forward or too cool by sending that sexy underwear pic. You weren't too forward or too uncool for, you know, to try to like see this guy more regularly than once a week. You were putting yourself out there and looking for a relationship that he didn't want to have. You did everything mm. right, save trying to like trick him into these things, right? That's the, we don't play those games, right? Head and heart work world. We don't want to trick people into loving us. We want mm-hmm. to have explicit adult conversations of where the, where is this going and what what do you want and what do I want so we can align them. We're not gonna we're not gonna play games for the rest of 2020. 2020 is playing too many games on us. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna we're not going to add to that. Um, but other than that, uh, you know, other than being other than doing what you felt like you had to because you were so starved of love and affection. Mm. Um, you did everything you you did you put yourself out there right mm-hmm. you 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 sent him that sexy underwear pic because you wanted to keep that sexy door open and maybe continue into a relationship he's the one that saw the sexy underwear door open and said haha no i'm not going to shut it i'm going to keep it cracked so that i can open it whenever i want to and at mm-hmm. that point you have to say this person is unsafe for me i'm putting myself out here but i see that it's not safe to put myself out uh, put my energy into somebody who's not going to return it to me in not just like a safe way, but like a kind and respectful way. I want your 2020 goal is to date a kind person, hopeless mm. romantic, because Absolutely. that doesn't seem not that it's not that dismissive people are unkind, but that particular response to me is particularly unkind. Absolutely. And you, like Sierra said, like you did in so many ways, you did all the right things. Um, right. And so like, I think that what is going to be helpful for you is to not take the blame squarely on your shoulders, but to look at this for what it actually is. Look at this mm-hmm. in a way that, that, that both offers you opportunities to learn and like reinforce good things that you did, right? It is not 
a bad thing to ask someone two months after two months into dating to like know what the relationship is, right? Like Absolutely. that's not a that's crazy not, thing. That's not a like bad that's thing. Yeah. no, that's like that is a very normal and healthy thing to do. Um like Sierra said, sending an underwear pick is like not a bad thing to do, right? Like that is Cute, a way flirty. to engage people. Absolutely. Right. And so I think I think by by taking some of the blame off of you and and really trying to assess like where did things go wrong and also what do I want to do differently in the future is going to serve yeah. you because it will be less tied up in oh man this person was the love of my life and I fucked it up and I'm never yeah. going to be happy again which by the way all very normal things to think right yeah. <laughs> like you're not crazy you're not like insane because of like because of that right like these are all normal human thought processes that we go through. Right. Right. But instead of focusing on that, instead saying like, wow, this didn't go the way that I wanted it to. And that's okay. What do I, what did I learn from this? Like what things made me feel uncomfortable or things that made me feel like I wasn't being given the nutritious relationship that I wanted. Mm -hmm. And like, how mm -hmm. am I going to make sure that next time I can identify those things more easily? Right. Right. And we're never going to be perfect, but experience like experiences like this, like these ones do help us move through things more quickly and with like more tools in our toolbox. And right. so I think having gone through this, like it's going to make you a person who is more equipped to be able to identify problematic behaviors in other people. That's going to be right. more equipped to be able to say like, no, no, I did this thing where I constantly felt guilty for like asking for what I wanted. I'm really not interested in doing that again. Right. And I right. hope that that's what you take out of this relationship. And I, I really think that you do. Right. I think you're going through a grieving process. You are in a particular place in it and there are different places to be in it as well. And I, and I hope that like the things that Sierra and I are talking about are not you're not using them to like further that blame that you're placing on yourself, but instead use them as a way to like reframe where you're at and begin to think about the relationship in a different way. That's going to serve you better. Absolutely. Hopeless romantic. I am so grateful that you wrote in and I hope that uh, it does help to hear your letter back to you. And I hope that you feel loved and confident and know that you are desirable and lovable and worthy just as you are with no one else around you except for the voices of two strangers across the world <laughs> absolutely thank you so much for writing we love you we love you all right, folks, that brings us to the blind date segment of our show every episode we want to shout out something we love that we want to set you up with this episode we want to send you home with a book called The Color of Law by Richard Rothstein. Mm. Um, and, you know, we have thrown out other blind dates uh, around like the criminal justice system and the ways mm -hmm. in which the criminal justice system is basically a continuation of safe slavery. Um, but I also think that housing is a really, really important thing for us to be able to understand as we move forward in our anti-racism work. Um, because I, I firmly believe that um, education, housing and the criminal justice system are like the three prongs of the continuation mm -hmm. of basically the enslavement of, of black Americans. Um, and so this is a really good book. It's, it's kind of dry just as a warning, but what, <laughs> what he does is sort of lay out the ways in which government practices 
uh, created or reinforced housing segregation in our country um, and the ways in which it's not and tells the story of the fact that it's not just these like narratives that we've been telling each other of like bad actors who like maybe did these things like landlords who didn't rent to to people of color or like white folks who like fled to the suburbs, but like the actual real intentional uh, government mm-hmm. policies and practices that created segregation and denied the opportunity for uh, folks of color and particularly black folks to, um, to build generational wealth. Right. Um, and I think makes a really, really strong case that, that helped me sort of solidify some of what I was thinking because, you know, housing is my, my day job, mm-hmm. um, around the ways in which we need to intentionally dismantle the system that we've created, um, and, and create, um, create policies and practices that, that repair what, what, uh, we have done. Um, and it's, so it's, it's pretty dry, but I do think it's like a, a really good primer for folks to really understand the ways in which the housing practices that existed from the end of slavery until the fair housing act of 1968, um, actually created very long lasting and Ir, like not repaired issues in our society. Um, and that now having this sort of like colorblind race neutral mm-hmm. policies actually doesn't work because the, the things that we have created are so inherently unjust mm-hmm. that we need to really rectify them in an intentional way. So um, check that out. It's called the color of law. It's by Richard Rothstein. Lovely. All right, everyone, that brings us to the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Break Up Pod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes, but most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is also where you can find our merchandise. Please leave us a five-star rating and review and consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you will get an additional bonus weekly episode. That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. This literally helps keep the mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Original music, recording, editing, and producing by our amazing friend, Big Cats. Make sure to check out his podcast, The What If Podcast, and remember... We are always the hardest on ourselves. It comes easier to judge ourselves rather than to forgive, to feel shame rather than to sympathize. This week, instead of feeling regret and self-loathing, practice forgiving yourself for becoming yourself and actively learn from your experiences and choices. Remember, you are worthy because you were born worthy. And if all else fails, just break up.